You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. Well, he passed for Long, he's got Leopold with him, Long walks in, Sanders, goal! Leopold's a right-hand shot, rotates, and then sends it along, back to Leopold, And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues, and it's Leopold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leopold throwing right after right, and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are gonna switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. Guys, this is episode 28. Getting up there. Uh, really excited about this episode, of course. Uh, guys, I have a great list of guests coming up, but first I want to say, uh, not sure where you guys are listening, but please uh, stop right now, subscribe. Uh, if you're listening on the Hockey to Heroin feed, I appreciate it. Um, however, if you could switch over to the Hockey Podcast Network, I appreciate it. That's the network that um, you know my show is on, and, and they have somewhere around 40 different podcasts. I have to actually get the number, but it's continually growing. Um, you know, one for every single NHL team, then bonus, you know, content such as my podcast, and then you know, Tales with TR, Terry Ryan's podcast. We have uh, House Analytics. That is a uh, one about you know different you know keeping track of guys ice times and shots so if you're into that kind of stuff it's great there's also one uh you know if you're a female listener there's one that's uh that's actually done by a female host which is great guys it's called house of hockey so head over to hockeypodcastnetwork.com uh, or check them out at hockey Podnet. um we also have a new show coming out uh, i keep saying that but it will be uh released shortly so um yeah support them guys check them out uh, and wherever you're listening, where whatever team you cheer for, there's a podcast for you. Uh, some of my uh, upcoming guests, uh, Ryan Vandenbush, Matthew Barnaby, Shane Corson, Riley Cote. So, uh, guys, I'm really excited. I also have um, a few other guests. I think Mike Hengen's going to hop back on with me here pretty quick. He, of course, guys, he's my best friend in the entire world. And... Uh, Exec, Chief Executive Director of the Puck Support Foundation is probably going to hop on with Carson Grant, uh, another member of the Puck Support Foundation. Uh, we'll talk hockey and we will talk life about addiction and mental health and how we're going to change uh, the world of hockey and ultimately change the world, guys. Um, so, guys, yeah, 
if you haven't checked out my website, hockeyandheroin.com, um, check it out. You can go there. Uh, it's a work in progress. I actually haven't put anything new on it probably in the last three weeks. Uh, I've been really busy, um, but uh, I'm kind of working on it behind the scenes. I just haven't like released some of the new stuff. So, uh, guys, we also run contests usually every Sunday night, team issued limited contests. I'll, I'll get to the team issued part, but uh, we had to postpone it. I thought we were going to do it tonight, but once again, no package from Canada Post today. It was supposed to be here June the 5th. I think it's almost like, I don't even know where we're at. It's almost July. So I don't know what the hell is going on, uh, but I've had to do two giveaways um, based on thinking I was doing this package like the day after the, that first giveaway. Well, I just don't want to do a third one without actually having the stuff to send it. So um, a couple people are waiting for stuff. I apologize. COVID-19, Canada Post, Tracking Express Post. It said it was gonna be delivered the next day. I have no idea where it is, but as soon as it gets here, guys, we'll be right back to doing the contest. So if you wanna sign up for that, go to hockeyandheroin.com, right on the homepage, sign up, and then usually every Sunday nights around 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's, it used to be on the Facebook page. I'm gonna switch over to Instagram, and I'm gonna to get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, guys, sign up, we give away, um, Cool team issued gear. If you don't know what team issued is, team issued limited uh, is a clothing company. Uh, Jesse Paradise. He is also a member of the Puck Support Foundation. Uh, he played with me uh, in Kelowna for the Kelowna Rockets. He's a WHL alumni. This is his clothing company. Uh, he is a financial analyst now because he went to the University of Manitoba. Used his WHL scholarship money, uh, as many players do. Um, but I've talked about it too. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of guys don't get to use that money because they are chasing their pro dreams. And if they decide to play uh, after that January 10th, I believe it is, cutoff date, um, you know, goodbye scholarship money. Um, and, you know, if your career doesn't work out and, you know, I don't know how many guys are banging it out in the East Coast in the American League um, that are actually saving money, maybe in the American League. Uh, but in the East Coast, it's, you're basically living paycheck to paycheck, just, you know, having fun, uh, living out your dream, hoping that maybe you'll get the call, but let's be realistic. Um, it doesn't happen often. Um, so, I mean, I mean, it's a tough road, right? But it's it's all part of hockey. And I mean, that is another reason why we're, we're building this foundation and, and I'm really excited about it. Um, but before I get to that, I just want to remind you guys, I'm pretty much everywhere on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm really going to start uh, to do some more Instagram videos, like live videos, uh, try to put out a little series, uh, motivational videos, uh, inspirational videos, not just myself. I'm going to have guys take over my account and hop on there if they're feeling like they need something to say or whatever. Like guys, whoever, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's going to be former NHL players. Maybe it's going to be a guy that's just, you know, gone through something that's, you know, played minor hockey. Who knows? Okay. But we have to realize um, that this is hockey is a community and it doesn't matter what level you play. Okay. Uh, I believe that when we strap on the skates as kids, we all have that dream. Okay. To play in the National Hockey League. And no matter what happens along the way, some guys um, are very lucky and they work hard enough uh, to make it into junior and they get to chase that dream a little bit longer. And, um, from there, I mean, it doesn't get easier. Um, you'd think it would, but once you get into major junior, it just gets more competitive, more cutthroat. Um, but I mean, again, it's it's pretty remarkable to to even make it to, to a league like the WHL, the OHL, um, even junior A, 
uh, to make it into the BC Hockey League at any capacity is a huge accomplishment. Let's not kid ourselves for one second. Like, uh, you're still in the top, whatever it is, 1% of hockey players in the entire world. So uh, it's, you know, I don't know. We all have that dream and things happen along the way and life happens and, and you know, so many different curveballs. Uh, but if we can realize that, you know, if we can all rally around each other uh, and support each other, uh, you know, behind the scenes, off the ice, because we love that compete level on the ice. That's what makes hockey such a great game, guys. Um, but when that, you know, when the fans are gone, uh, you know, when we hang up our gear and we go home, you know, as players, as coaches, uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, and it's not just me. I thought I was alone, you know, I really did. I, I knew obviously there was a few guys that struggled, but I really thought I was alone. And then, you know, like I thought, okay, I was a, I was an extreme case. I've been to jail. I went to jail a few times. I'm an extreme case. That still may be true, but guess what? There's actually a lot more junior hockey players that are struggling with addiction and that have been to jail than you would actually believe. And it is uh, actually blowing my mind. Um, every week, every day, the people that I'm connecting with, the stories that I hear, um, for every positive one, I'm hearing, you know, almost one-to-one -one stories of family members or past teammates or guys I played with or against or watched or whatever, um, sharing with me too that they struggled in some of these dark moments and you would have never guessed that, you know, they too struggled. So we can all realize guys that, um, you know, strength in numbers, support, 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 you know, um, I can't say it enough. I just, I just think back to when I was in those, uh, you know, dark places and I, I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, like I've said it before on the podcast, you can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink, right? And um, it took me a lot of um, attempts almost, right? So I'll tell a quick story before I get into my guests are waiting and I appreciate their patience. And I'll just tell a quick story before we get into it. So the very first time I ever went to rehab, um, my dad dropped me off and I was 24, yeah, 24. Uh, December, 2011. I had been removed from professional hockey for about a year and a half. Um, I was smoking heroin, smoking crack cocaine, um, craziness. Uh, like, so you have to think at 24, um, this was all pretty new to me. I was now hanging out in some unfamiliar places, um, opening up my eyes to a world that I never knew existed. Like, you kind of know it exists because you see it in movies and. I grew up in Vancouver, so I used to pass Hastings all the time and stuff. And so you kind of know it's there, but until you go through it, it's just, it's insane. And so I remember my dad, he, he dropped me off. I, I went to detox a couple times and finally, you know, there I, I agreed. I was like, I need to go to treatment. And I remember my dad dropped me off at Maple Ridge Treatment Center. Shout out to that place in Maple Ridge. If anyone in the lower mainland is struggling, um, it is, when I went there, it's a, it's a great treatment center. It's harm reduction. It is not 12-step based. Um, it is all about spiritual and uh, you know balanced life and, and learning how to um, you know live within you know means that are yours and just learn. Like I said, learning how to live with a balanced life and it sounds simple and and ultimately that's what you have to do is break it down and keep it simple. Um, so shout out to them and and I went there more than once and 
Um, so not to say that it doesn't work, but this is the point to my story. Um, when my dad dropped me off, I'll never forget it. He was just a wreck. I mean, for years and years, he was a wreck. Like, if anyone's read the Sportsnet article, uh, my dad was a fireman for 35 years, a captain, um, vice president of the Firefighters Union of the province of British Columbia, president of the union for the North Vancouver District, um, and a captain for the North Vancouver District. So, you know, he was as high up a firefighter as you could be. He could have been the chief, but he was always like, nope, that's administration. I want to be with the boys. This is on the team because it's two totally separate. It's sort of like they're on the same team, but they're not. It's sort of like, I, I can't, I don't know if anyone listening understands, but you guys know what I'm saying. So my dad always just wanted to be um, on the team. So he was leading the charge for the firefighters and he discovered hockey. And I just remember him um, just being at his wits end because he was seeing so many overdoses at work. He actually had to retire early because of it. Um, he was worried that every call he was going to was going to be me because that's anyone knows how bad the overdose crisis is. It's it is bad. It is in the thousands and thousands and thousands just in the Lower Mainland in the last few years. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people's brothers. That's a lot of people's sisters, sons, daughters, moms, dads. You know, those are lives, guys. Like those are families affected. And um, so my dad dropped me off. And he, I remember, like, my dad did his research. I remember my dad, you know, he tried everything. He just couldn't understand it. Uh, I think maybe he knew at the time something had happened to me as a kid. Like, he wasn't around when it happened, and I just had hid it from everybody. And um, I think he always tried to understand what was going on with me, and I always wanted to tell him, but I just, many times I wanted to, and I just, I, I don't know. It just, I just couldn't bring myself to do it for fear of judgment, and it was nothing, um, there's nothing that I could look back and be like, okay, yeah, anything could have changed, whatever, yeah, sure. Um, if support systems like I'm, we're trying to build the puck support system, maybe that would have changed. But ultimately, um, my dad did everything he could. So he did his research. So I remember he dropped me off at rehab. <laughs> and I'm not shitting you. I got out the car, I'm about to go in. And he's like, just to let you know, it takes an average of seven times to go to rehab. And I'm like, thanks for the vote of confidence, dad. He's like, well, I'm just being honest with you. So I'm just preparing myself for the worst. I wish you all the best and I love you and I hope you get your shit together. He's like, but I'm, you know, I'm preparing myself for the long haul here. And, you know, and he was there and he came to visit me all the time. And fuck you, he, he's been just incredible. I cannot talk about my dad enough. It was just Father's Day. So shout out to my dad, Brian, and actually, I'm not gonna lie, I looked on the calendar today and I figured out exactly what day my dad's coming on the podcast, episode 50. Um, that's gonna be released September the 9th. It's a Wednesday. So, um, I'm excited about that. I hope my dad comes on here and like we can have a real conversation because that's something we haven't had too much of. Um, it's been hard for the both of us and maybe doing it on public areas and the right where to do it. But guess what? You know what? By us doing that, that is what is going to, you know, help people down the road. And that is ultimately why I started this podcast is people are always like, how do you share so candid? Well, guess what? If I don't, if I'm not thoroughly honest, what the hell is the point of all of this? So anyways, um, I will save the rest of my intro for my outro because my guests have been waiting patiently. The last thing I just want to say, guys, 
is I'm not recording in the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio. It's still under construction. Matthew Lashinsky uh, was born in 1987. He is one of many, unfortunately, that lost their battle with mental health and addiction. Uh, he, we lost him in 2017. Uh, he was drafted in the second round by the OHL Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Uh, he played with them on and off for a couple of seasons, but ran into some legal tr trouble when he was 18. Um, he landed behind bars, uh, and everyone kind of gave up on him. Uh, aside from his family, um, the hockey community kind of covered it up and, and kind of just said, hey, you know, we're done with you. And listen, I get it. It was uh, pretty serious, whatever. Um, but in my opinion, looking back on it, you don't give up on kids. Um, regardless, people make mistakes. And uh, I don't want to get into that. That's a topic for another day. I'm not blaming anyone personally for that. However, um, what I am doing now because of Matt Thompson, who shared this story, uh, we're never going to forget Matthew Lashinsky. Uh, we're building a studio on the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio where I will be recording every single podcast and be doing all my work. It will be my office. We're making it bigger. It was my chicken coop. I'm really excited. Matthew Thompson's been up here to help me. He was Lashinsky's good buddy uh, and he's the one that shared the story with me and him and I have been able to connect and, and I've been able to connect with so many incredible people because of that and again I'll save that for the outro because there's so much I want to talk about with that tying in to a young lady by the name of Erin Miller that's really going to change uh, the Puck Support Foundation and, and help us with our vision so I'm going to save that for the end so uh, guys without further ado let's get into this episode that, that was a long time so I apologize uh, to this father-son combo um, first off um, I want to talk a little bit about the older gentleman so I have a father-son combo uh, Mark and Cooper Hollick. Mark Hollick uh, is arguably one of the most respected, you know, coaches uh, in Western Canada, if not in all in Canada. Uh, you know, he, he himself was a professional hockey player. Uh, <laughs> he played his uh, Western League career actually for the Saskatoon Blades with guys like Wendell Clark. He was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in 1986, a year before I was born actually so round 11 216th overall this guy was a banger i'm not kidding like his numbers are ridiculous ridiculous so when he he actually uh went from the saskatoon blades uh to the humble broncos shout out to the humble broncos obviously a tragic um terrible accident uh but that team is uh rebuilding in such a marvelous way and that community is so strong so shout outs to them but he went and played for the humble broncos <laughs> and I don't even know how he had so many points and so many penalty minutes. He was in the penalty box for I don't know how many games. I think it was, works out to be like seven or eight complete games, and he had over 100 points. So that's a hell of a year. Um, but from there, he, you know, he broke into pro. He actually went from school to pro. Uh, he played for the Adirondack. And Adirondack, I could never say it even when I played against them in the American League. Uh, he played with the likes of Sheldon Kennedy. Uh, he was a guest on the podcast. He was a teammate of his um, down there. I'm not sure if they actually played together. I just know they were on the same team. Um, shout out to Sheldon Kennedy. He has been a tremendous, tremendous source of support for me. And I cannot thank him enough for all that he's done. Um, but Mark, uh, yeah, 53 goals, 56 assists, 289 penalty minutes uh, that year with the Humboldt Broncos. Uh, he also played with the New West Bruins 
before uh, before that. Uh, shout outs to Dono Menard, um, uh, a friend of mine who I coached with and looked up to. Um, actually, when I was working with him at Puck Masters, I know he's coaching out uh, in the Lower Mainland. I know he listens. Uh, he played with uh, the New West Bruins the same year as Mark Hollick did, so shout out to him. Uh, Stu Barnes led the way that year. Um, Stu Barnes, of course, uh, the owner or was the owner of the Tri-City Americans. Uh, he's now a scout uh, for the new Seattle NHL team. Um, but, you know, after pro hockey, uh, Mark Hollick really started making his mark, no pun intended, uh, in the junior hockey world. Um, in an incredible way he, he started coaching right off the right out of the gate he retired and he was i guess he was like hey listen uh i'm gonna coach and i'm gonna make a difference um that's back in 1994 he started coaching in langley um and since then there has been um very few years if any at all um that he's taken off from hockey uh, coaching and, and I argue I don't know if there's been any because if it's not on uh, the internet I'm sure he was coaching his son Cooper who is also uh, gonna be on the podcast but Mark has won uh, the RBC in 97-98 uh, he's also the he was the BCHL coach of the year which is the Joe Tennant Memorial Trophy that was in 98-99 um, this is a sore spot for me but in 2003-2004 he was won a silver medal at the under 17 world hockey championships he was the first coach to ever cut me so thank you to mark hollick and tim keller i didn't make team pacific so thank you guys me and mike kangan were both crushed he cried i cried i remember it to this day we talked about it the other day but uh i'll be honest i, I me and him were uh, if you listen to the podcast we'll talk about it we were filling out our forms while um, he actually worked out. I don't think I did, but I was just copying his things because we had a little workout book that we had to do. And that was that was my piss poor mentality that got me nowhere. And that is why I'm trying to be a better role model now. Um, but then he actually went over and you know coached in, in Italy um, most recent uh, before um, taking a, a role, a different kind of role in the Yale um, Prep Hockey Academy, which I'm not too familiar with, which we're going to talk about, I'm sure. Um, but maybe the biggest uh thing about this podcast or the idea about this podcast um is mental health mental health and hockey and that uh is a you know hits home uh really close to home with mark uh because of his son cooper who uh is a new good friend of mine and is uh heavily involved in the puck support foundation uh, mike hangan has brought him on and uh, it's been a great fit for us i can't wait to have talk to coop here in a few minutes um, but Cooper himself has been very open, um, been a brave soldier, uh, and even long before uh, the puck support was even an idea, long before I had met him. Uh, and he has his own reasons for all of it. And I can't wait for him to get on here, for me to shut up and for him to talk. Uh, but, you know, Cooper, you know, moved around a lot as a kid, born in White Rock. He calls Penticton home no matter what. Uh, I know he's living in Edmonton now, Coop, but, uh, you know, shout out to the Semiamu Minor Hockey Association and St. Albert, or St. Albert in Alberta. Uh, I think he played in Vernon and Cranbrook and those associations. I always like to shout out to the Minor Hockey Associations because that's where all the dreams start to happen. And there's so many great volunteers in all those associations. So thank you guys. Thank you to all the parents and volunteers. Uh, from there, Cooper went, uh, he played Bantam AAA in Syracuse, New York. 
for the Syracuse Stars uh, because Mark was coaching the American Hockey League for the Syracuse Crunch, of course. Um, played high school hockey for the Fayetteville, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Manilis Hornets in New York State. And actually, if I look correctly, I think he's the all-time leading scorer. If not, he's very close. Uh, from there, Coop uh, went on to play uh, three and a half years as a junior. He got a couple games in, in the BC Hockey League. Uh, he played in the KIJHL uh, for the Summerland Sting um, and also with the 100 Mile House uh, Wranglers. Uh, that's where he finished his career and he actually walked away from hockey and that's uh, maybe where we'll start. Um, Cooper, uh, Mark, thanks guys for doing this. Sorry for the long intro, but uh, listen, I really appreciate you guys doing this and a really cool experience to have a father-son on here before I get to have me and my dad on. Well, I appreciate it, Brady. That's a, that's a heck of a, an intro and, uh, um, you know, just happy to be involved and, and try and help, uh, you know, wherever we can. Absolutely, Brady. Same goes for me. Just uh, thanks for having me on. I've actually been listening to this. I don't know if Hangy told you, but I was listening to your podcast since the very first uh, episode. And I actually texted Hangy about it. So funny how that works. You and I now are friends and uh, working together. So it's a small world. Yeah, it is. And that's, you know, and I love to hear that. And I want to talk to you here in a, in a minute, Coop, about how, you know, maybe I'll just quickly jump in about when I first heard about you, because of course, um, I knew Mark because he cut me on Team Pacific and, um, <laughs> you know, coached through the Kootenai Ice when my last year, uh, when I was playing with Kelowna. And, you know, obviously he was uh, Hangy's head coach. So, and very well known, but I'll be honest, I wasn't too familiar with you. Um, and that's mainly because you're so much younger and the time you would have been playing, the time you would have been trying to start this movement, making this incredible video and being brave about your own struggles. I was having my own personal struggles. I was probably in jail or homeless or doing something um, that, you know, only addiction can bring out in people. And it, it is just crazy. And that's a topic for another day, but Coop, um, Growing up, you moved around a lot, and that's that's kind of where I want to start. And so, you want either one of you guys can kind of hop in here because anybody listening, any junior hockey players listening, maybe any young pro hockey players listening that um, maybe have a young families or plan to have families young, like one day, it's a big sacrifice. And and actually, I've talked to your mom. Shout out to Janet if she's listening or if she's around. She's been. Uh, quickly, I'll just say she's like the mother hen of the Puck Support Foundation, um, doing everything, um, bringing us all together, making sure that we're all getting along. I'm just joking. We're all great friends. But, um, you know, wrangling us all in and uh, keeping us organized. Uh, so thank you to her. And um, but yeah, you know, it's a big sacrifice, Coop. You had to move around, uh, which brings a lot of cool experiences. Uh, but Mark, you know, you're chasing your pro dream and then you're um, coaching. Uh, what was that experience like from a kid's point of view, Coop? Um, well, I think in the beginning, uh, like I, when I first moved around, it was I was pretty young, so it didn't really make much of a difference, uh, to be honest with you. You're playing hockey everywhere you go or lacrosse or, you know, baseball. I was always involved in sports, and so making friends for me, had, like as a young kid, was really easy. Um, and then, you know, I think the move that, kind of was a bit of a shock, a shell shock a bit, was the move from Cranbrook. My middle school had about, I don't know, 250 kids in it, and I ended up going to a high school in New York State for to start high school for the first time. And uh, 
yeah, it was a big, big uh, culture shock for me. But like, um, like I said before, I was playing a lot of sports and stuff. So, and, and high school sports in the States helped a lot with that, uh, meeting friends. So, I mean, I really, uh, I really liked the way I grew up moving around and stuff. I, I really appreciated it actually more than, um, looked at it as a negative thing. I got uh, a lot of friends everywhere. So I'm really fortunate for that. Awesome. And Mark, what about for yourself? Like, um, was it ever hard? I mean, obviously it was hard. Uh, it's hard as a player when you have to move around and you get traded or uh, fighting for a contract year to year. Um, but as a coach, it's often the same. And I think this is something that gets overlooked. And uh, Mike Hengen was uh, very quick uh, to make sure that coaches were included in the Puck Support Foundation. And uh, I thought that, you know, I haven't had that experience as a, a coach as much as he has so much. Uh, I've done more like one-on-one -on -one stuff, not team stuff. So, you know, having that experience of being a coach, being fired or being whatever, it, it is the exact same. Um, so you must have gone through a lot of challenging times. And was it hard to have to pull your kids out and move them around? Or, or were you guys just all in and committed? Well, I mean, it's funny how, you know, I fell into it. It's, it's uh, you know, my brother-in-law, you know, you played for Rick. Rick was coaching in Langley and I was helping him and he moved to Surrey and, and was his assistant there. And then Rick uh, went to Western Hockey League when, uh, as an assistant coach and Cliff Annable, the late Cliff Annable, offered me the position in, in South Surrey. And, you know, the first year we win the World Bank Cup. And, you know, I keep telling people, uh, you know, it's – you, you 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 come off in your first season as a head coach and GM and you win an RBC and um, you know it, it's something that you don't you think you know but you don't and there's a lot of <laughs> you know there was a lot of uh, training going on for me and and still is I mean we're always evolving I mean things that you'd say and do 30 years ago certainly aren't going to fly today and uh, you know you're always trying to better yourself and improve yourself and um, but as far as the moving I mean. You know, after South Surrey, I uh, played for another owner, uh, came in and bought the team. I was there about three years with him. And then that, you know, kind of fizzled out. And at, at that point, um, you know, we really liked the South Surrey area. We were living out here. We bought our first home. And, and you know, we thought of maybe just kind of taking a different path and whatever it may be. Um, and then I, I just out of the blue got a phone call from Alberta Junior League and um, you know, I flew out to Edmonton and met with a guy and ultimately got the position there. And then, you know, after three seasons there, uh, Troy Mix, a good buddy of mine, and, you know, he was uh, GM in, in, in Vernon, coach GM at that point. And I think halfway through that season, he stepped down and, you know, and gave us an opportunity to return to British Columbia. And I know the, the late Duncan Ray, Dr. Duncan Ray, uh, the owner there, I've known him a long time from the BCHL days. And, and I figured that might be the last stop. I mean, there was resumes going to the Western League trying to get positions and, and you know, chasing some jobs and what have you. And unsuccessfully, uh, you know, obviously nothing happened at that point in my career. So I thought Vernon might be the last stop for me. Good spot where, you know, Penticton and create a home and, and be there long term. And, you know, long story short, I was there eight months. And, you know, and Jeff Chenault and I had a meeting when Corey Clouston was hired late in Ottawa and you know, ended up coaching in Kootenai for three years. Um, you know, so Coop moves to another school. And, you know, from there to Syracuse, the Anaheim Ducks come calling and you're working for their farm team. You're their head coach of their team. So it, everything just kind of happened for me so fast. And, 
um, you know, moving the kids at a younger age was, I think, a little bit easier. Um, the the move to Syracuse, you know, when he was starting, like I said, going into high school his first year, um, you know, Kennedy, I think, was in grade six at that time. But uh, so maybe a little bit easier for her. But, you know, when they, they start getting older, that's when you kind of want to have home base. And, you know, ultimately, after I came back from Italy, you know, with Janet's health the way it was, um, you know, it we, you know, maybe had opportunities to, to speak to other people in, in the Western League and minor pro and what have you. But I think just being around here and having ourselves solidified at this point in our lives is is what's helping us and it, it was beneficial to us and that's how I got involved with uh, Billy Wilms and and uh, the Yale Academy so I mean it's it's a great spot um, teaching um, you know you're still coaching but it's it's a lot of development and building relationships and it's a, it's a great setup and and we really uh, you know from a family standpoint you know I think this is the longest we've been in a situation where you know, it's usually two years, three years, and you're moving somewhere else. So um, it's worked out for us at this point. Um, and, and who knows what the future may hold. But, uh, you know, right now we're, we're very happy where we're at. Yeah, doesn't that, that – to me that sounds like you have a dream job. Like I, I thought about coaching and I've, you know, I used to – even when I was playing in the Western League, I'd be like, man, I would love to be an assistant coach. I don't know about a head coach, but I'd love to be that assistant coach role. I always saw myself in that role, but uh, as I sit here and I actually, I talked to Janet about it, about, you know, I was like, what is, I said, what does Mark do every day? Like walk me through what he does just so I kind of have an idea. And um, obviously you can do a better job at that, but I was just curious as one day when I was talking to her about the puck support foundation and I was like, man, that's such like, the way she was just telling me, you know, and, and even just, you, you know, building relationships and skill development and you're, you're working with, you know, these young kids and you really have an opportunity to, to step into their lives and make a difference and be uh, a real positive role model and get into their life at an early age and start to instill those, uh, you know, those positive mindsets and, um, you know, learning how to, you know, learning how to feel empowered and have that confidence because uh, ultimately that is, those are the things that we start to lose uh, as we get older and as the, com the competition starts to get greater uh, and the pressure starts to build. Um, in hockey and in life and in everything. And that's where mental health and addiction and everything can really start to take over. And so I think the work you're doing there, and it makes me happy to hear that you're in a great situation um, because I think the work you're doing at that Academy. And like I said, I'm not extremely familiar with exactly what goes on, but I now I know I have a fairly good idea. Like I know what hockey academies are about and you're the head coach there. Like what a great job. Like, are you, is that not just the dream job almost? Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, for, for us in our situation, I mean, you know, there we're on the ice every day. We have a, a practice session every day. Then they, they go to dry land right after we've got excellent coaches that look after them off ice. Um, and then we have our, um, our academics from grade eight to 10. So the, the first year Bantams to the first year, I guess, U18 now, um, all stay at the Summit Center. It's, that's where the build, that's our rink. And that's where the, we have classrooms there. So we have teachers on site. So they have their hockey and their scholastics right on site. The only players that actually leave and, and attend the, the high school 
are the players off my team, the U18 program, the older kids, the 16s and 17-year-olds. So that'd be grade 11 and grade 12s. They get bussed back at 11 o'clock, which is their lunch hour, basically. And then they get to the high school, finish their school till 2.30, and then the day is theirs. So, um, you know, we have them. You know, I've got them from the ice, you know, I would say we're on the ice 8.30 to 9.30 every day. Um, so I have them, you know, if they can get there when they get there as far as school is concerned. So usually from about 8 a.m. to, to 9.30, then they're up in the weight room and, and doing their uh, off-ice um, fitness. And from there, they head on the bus and the other ones uh, have classes throughout the day. So it's, it's a great gig. It gives you a lot of time after because the kids are in school. So as a coach, you get a little bit more time to prepare video you're playing on weekends you're not playing two or three during the week so you've got time to book your trips and make your travel and your itineraries and what have you and watch some video and practice plan i mean everything that goes along with coaching so i mean it's it's a little bit less pace lesser pace than i'm used to as far as at a higher level um you know you're not playing 82 games a year in the, in the american league or 72 or 68 now in the western hockey league so it's a little less pace a lot less travel um, but it's a, it's a, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy that, uh, I guess the pace for lack of a better word, but, uh, uh, it's been, it's been kind of a, a breath of fresh air for us at, at this time. But yeah, no, again, it sounds great. And Coop, I want to get to you here in a sec, but I just wanted to, you mentioned something there, um, that I've been thinking about the last couple of days, how, you know, at two thirty they have their day and they're done and that's great. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot. So I've been thinking about how much time I wasted when I was playing junior hockey. Like, same thing, okay? Go, if you're a school guy, you're going to school till whatever, 11, 30, 12. Uh, from there, you quick, grab a quick bite. You're on the ice at 1 o'clock or whatever, 1.30. Depends where you're playing. And um, that's it. You practice for an hour. And, um, you know, in the middle, of, in, the, in the heart of the season, you're probably not going to do a workout after your practice. I mean, some guys do, but a lot of teams I played on, weren't they weren't like, you know, mandatory workouts. So a lot of guys weren't like working out. So it's like, you know, you're gone, 45-minute um, practice. I'm gone. I'm done by 2.15 or whatever it is. Um, and then I'm just going to go sit around, chew tobacco, and play video games um, and do whatever else it is. And I've been thinking about, this downtime that the players have. So the non-school guys that come in for breakfast club, they check in, they do whatever you get to see their face and they're not sleeping in till noon or whatever it is and um, do a little workout or whatever it is. And, but I, I've been thinking that there's got to be something more to keep these players engaged and set them up for life. Like, you know, teach them how to manage money, teach them how to, you know, get credit, teach them how to all this, like, this is the, these are the things that they need to be learning, you know what I mean? And, you know, set them up for life after hockey and, and, and maybe not even you'll know, but like, I think building a support network and, and keeping players connected and keeping them, making them feel like there's always on the team, because all of a sudden, like if June, when junior hockey's over, if you're not going to pro and whatever and yeah the scholarship and the dub is great but what about these guys that play junior a they don't get scholarships they don't do whatever and they've you know their whole life they thought they're going to make it to the nhl or to the WHL, and it's just like they're all feeling lost and because you know their parents put everything into it they're you know they're always the best in their city or the best in their little town or, or whatever it is like you know what i mean um and then you feel like a little mini rock star in junior and then all of a sudden when the lights go it's gone and then where are you left and it's like 
I don't know. I just feel like there should, this is a little side note. I just feel like there's a lot of downtime and yes, it's great. Um, but what can we do? I'm not saying so much your pro I'm talking about more in junior. What can the junior programs do to keep the kids more engaged in this stuff? Like with Eric guest coming out, I will say it like he came out and said that he was forced to do cocaine and whatever. And I believe him 100%. I want to, I'm not going to sit here and argue the fact that I don't, it's not the league's fault. It's not, Anything it has nothing to do with major junior hockey as a whole so much as the hockey culture um, and just people in general and peer pressure situations. And we need to learn how to deal with that. So again, I, I want to get to Cooper, but uh, that was just a little side note. I just feel like there's more we can be doing to keeping these kids engaged, like making sure like these kids are, you know, are we checking in with them? Like these kids are living away from home. Like if you guys saw video footage of what me and Mike Hangan were doing at 17 years old, running around Swift Current, like it's a disaster. Like, yeah, we had curfew at 11 o'clock. We very rarely miss curfew, but until 11 o'clock we had free run of that city. I'm not kidding. Like we crashed so many cars and like we were, we were kids with no parents watching over us. No, nothing with no. And it was just, I, I don't know. I just feel like there needs to be more, um, supervision almost They're just kids. But anyways, Cooper, I want to get to you. Um, first off, Coop, let me say, buddy, that I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Like you're, uh, you're just like a bright light, man, you know? And, and so the work that you've done, uh, I posted for people that don't know, um, and I'll let him speak, um, Cooper to his battle with mental health. And a few years ago when, Mark was coaching for Prince George. Um, I believe Cooper decided to walk away from hockey. So I'll, I'll let you tell that story, Coop, if you don't mind. And if you sure. just want to start with maybe, you know, your experience of coming out of minor hockey to junior. And did, was there expectations because of who your dad was and because he was a pro hockey player? And was that hard to live up to? And, and, and what was it ultimately – um, what was the deciding factor to walk away from the game that, you know, you loved for your whole life and that, you know, gave your dad a, you know, put, puts the food on your guys' table and everything like it's hockey is does so many positive things um, more than yeah. negative for sure. But Coop um, walk us through that if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I played my, my 15 year old midget season. I played what's called, they do it in the Northeast in the U.S., and they might do it in other states, I'm not sure, but uh, they do a split season. So I played 16U, AAA midget up until November, and then I played my high school hockey during the winter months, and then we kind of rejoined back together for spring with my AAA program. And uh, just kind of splits the season up. And honestly, that was the best year of hockey of my entire life. And uh, I had great years with both teams and uh, a lot of success individually, but a lot of team success as well. And just really enjoyed that season. And, and then that was the year we decided to come back to uh, Canada. My dad took a scouting job with the Ducks and relocated us back to Penticton. And I went to the uh, Summerland Steam spring camp um, at 16 and had a, ni had a nice camp and, and I was offered a spot. So ended up playing there at 16. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it was... It was hard. I don't think at 16 that I was really mature enough to um, step into a, uh, a situation like that. I mean, like we, you, you throw the visor on. I was only 130 pounds, maybe. I think that's what I put on my, my stats. I was probably even lighter. And 
I just really wasn't physically or, or uh, ready for it or I wasn't mature enough either. And, and so that was a tough season on me. My, my numbers were down and, and um, you know, I went through the whole rookie kind of initiation thing that uh, junior teams are, are hopefully starting to phase out because, um, you know, I, I don't think the guys or, or the guys that were, you know, being hard on us at that age, um, you know, really understood at that time, I'm sure they do now, what kind of impact just the, the bullying, I guess, had. Um, and it wasn't so much hazing rituals and, and stuff like that. It's more just, you know, those guys are 20 years old and, and you're 16. You know, you're, I was still a little kid uh, at heart. And um, so there were some situations where you're getting challenged at practice and you kind of just have to man up and, and go through it, unfortunately, without saying anything to anybody. And uh, it wasn't until my 17-year-old season where things kind of went, went a little bit uh, off the rails for myself. Um, just kind of lost interest in hockey and, and, and was not really taking it too seriously. Um, was really anxious all the time, uh, anxious about hockey, anxious about life, just everything. And, and it really hurt my game, hurt my numbers. And, and um, you know, we tried to, you know, figure it out. And that year was just really hard on me. We lost a couple of players that were uh, on our team to suicide that season as well. Uh, Ryan Donaldson, my one of my best friends. Um, uh, so, and Alex Fraser as well. And, and, and that was really hard on me, especially the, the Ryan one, him and I were very close. So uh, that one kind of is, that's kind of like the tipping points, I think for my anxiety and depression. Cause th once the season ended, I, I was relieved that the season was over. I couldn't wait for it to be over, but um, that summer I didn't do much in, or in, in, in terms of training for the next season. I think I just drank a lot of, a lot of booze and, and did a lot of really dumb stuff and, and didn't really take care of my mental health like I should have been. So uh, when I went to Coquitlam, I was released and I, I figured I was going to get released anyways. I thought I had an okay camp, but uh, I, I figured I was getting cut and I didn't know where I was going to play. And I went to Hunter Mile House and uh, played with a guy or for a guy named Dale Adun. He's best coach I ever had. I only had him for three months, but he was awesome. And, um, you know, he was the first coach that I was kind of able to be open with about my, my mental health struggles and um, not so much telling him, but he, he was the type of coach that would, you know, ask you yeah, if you're doing okay, if you notice something. And, and that goes a long way with a player, um, just speaking from my experience. But um, yeah, I mean, the, I wasn't doing well in 100 mile either. And, and my numbers were way down. I was really not focused on pretty much anything. Um, I was self-medicating a ton with marijuana like a ton and uh i just could not get my shit together and it was four in the morning on a tuesday we practiced in the morning at eight o'clock and i just packed my bags and made sure i beat everyone to the rink and told my coach i'm driving home and uh that was the last time i i uh played a played a game so i mean wow that's that's quite the story, and, and let me say I you know condolences um, to the Donaldson's family and the other family because it's certainly not easy, uh, and to you as well to lose a friend. Uh, I've lost friends too from suicide and addiction, and it's it there's just so to me it is senseless, and 
not senseless in the fact that these people that are suffering and have unfortunately either one taken their life or, or two overdosed. Um, it's not senseless in the fact that the way they were feeling, okay, for them to, to do these things or to stay in addiction the, the way that people do. And there is a lot of stuff going on there. And people are very quick to judge, and I'm guilty too. Uh, you know, people are just, we just judge people. That's just human nature. I mean, we walk by somebody and we're checking them out and we're just kind of comparing ourselves. And it's just, you know, we don't like to admit it. I don't care who you are. You can never say that you have never judged somebody in your life. I, I mean, nothing short of being blind and deaf. I mean, I'm serious. Like, I just feel like that is part of human nature. And it's, oh, man, Koopa. I, I don't know. I, I walked, I also, I don't know if I told you this. I walked away from hockey when I was 18 too, actually. I walked away from the WHL and I, I that's when I went and played for, for Rick Lands, your, your uncle in, in Burnaby there, now the Coquitlam Express. And um, I'm going to have him on the podcast too. I mean, you got, he'll tell it, he'll tell that. I want him to come on here and tell it like, what's that? I was a disaster when I played for him. Uh, I was doing Coke in the dressing room in between periods while I was playing on a line with Kyle Turris, uh, while I had 35 people in the stands, like, you know what I mean? Like that was where my mental health was at. Um, you know, doing ecstasy, like, you know, all night and stopping at 10 in the morning and then playing that night at seven without sleeping for three days. Like that was me playing junior A that year. And, you know, I remember your uncle, <laughs> your uncle and the other coaches, I think the captains and the assistant captains actually came to my house. Like, because I missed practice and I was like, they just like walked into my house because the door was open. And I was just like, what the hell is going on right now? And I had like people there and stuff. It was like the most bizarre, um, horrible experience in my entire life. <laughs> One of them anyways, but that, you know what I mean? So I, you know, it's a hard time being at 18, but looking back, what, you know, do you, cause you would have had another couple of years of junior. Do you, do you still feel that that was the right decision for you? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I think so for sure. I mean, I was playing junior B. It's not like I was playing in the Western league or junior A. Like I, I was, and my numbers weren't great. Like I wasn't <laughs> the way I looked at it. I wasn't going to go anywhere with hockey, maybe get some school interest to like a lower school in the States or something playing in that league. But I was just done chasing it. I, I was tired. I was mentally tired. I'd gone through a lot in the last, you know, in my three years of junior mentally, just, just really went through a lot of shit. And, and it, all of it was internal, right? Like there's no one to blame but yourself in those situations. So, um, you know, I just, I felt like that was the right choice at the time. And my coach from Hunter Mile, it's actually funny, but it wasn't my last game because my coach from Hunter Mile, he, you know, the, being the, the good guy he is um just you know he said if you ever want to come back just text me and him and I kept in touch and they needed players and I uh, went down there and played my last junior game uh oh, nice about a, about a couple of weeks uh, or a couple months after I'd hung up my thought I'd hung up my skates and then that ended up being my last junior game but yeah I mean I, I was gonna I had plans to go to school I had a lot of plans and um you know I, a lot of those plans got derailed again just just with my mental health and just not dealing with it the right way and I feel like finally today like as a man and like I feel like I'm really dealing with it the right way I'm you know I'm 
not afraid to admit that I you know, need to take medication and I have to take it to, to feel better. And when I don't, then, then um, I'm only putting myself and, and, the, and my, the people that I love at risk. So um, it's just now being more mature, it's just, you know, understanding that it just takes work. You're not just going to feel better one day when you wake up in the morning. Like you have to put in the effort. You have to get up in the morning and you, you know, you have to get up and walk your dog. Like you have responsibilities as an adult and, and once you kind of just uh, figure that side out of it or that part of it out, it's, it's uh, makes life a lot easier on, on me and, and on everyone who's around me every day as well. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. And I think, you know, it's just so great to, you know, I didn't know you before. Right. And so Mike, Hangin was the one that uh, called me and was like, Hey, there's this kid Cooper Hall. I'm like, why do I know that name? He's like, cause his dad's Mark Hollicky idiot. Like, I'm like, Oh, okay. And he, you know, so he told me uh, a little bit about you and I didn't even, you know, it's Mike, Mike, uh, I call him sponge. Like, I do not question <laughs> this guy at all. 100%. I'm like, yep. Done deal. Like I didn't even quite, you can ask him. Use, yep. Sure. He had it. He's like, I think we should bring this kid on. He's, he's pretty young, but he told me the story. I said, don't even have to tell me anymore. He's, he's on the team. Let's do this, you know? And uh, we called him. We talked to you. Yeah. I wanted to get to you, Mark. I wanted to get your take on, on all of it because, no, yeah. 100%. I, I, sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to No, no. In. Jump in. Jump in, please, please. You're talking about Mike and uh, I call him Hangy. I call him Sponge. That was before my time. But, you know, Hangy was a guy that, he ultimately probably saved Cooper's bacon there a couple times. Um, Big just time. Mike, Mike did some training or sorry, Coop did some training with Mike over the summers and, you know, Mike supplemented his income and, and did some dry land work with a group of kids in Penticton area. And, you know, we would get texts and even through the season, I'd be in PG my first year, I think season and a half, I was in Prince George alone. Um, and Mike would, um, you know, text Janet or text me and say, Hey, I saw something, you know, a cryptic post on a Facebook or a text that he received, something like that. So a zillion percent credit goes to, to Hangy as well for, for sticking his uh, neck out, so to speak, and sticking his nose in where some people say it doesn't belong. But certainly I'm telling you, if there's something that you notice on someone, I think you need it's your obligation to speak up and, and talk to some people that maybe can help because I'm not sure. Uh, where we'd be if that didn't happen. Absolutely. Well, yeah. No, go ahead, Coop. I just want to quickly say, yeah, I know Hangy is, like I've said all the time, without question. Uh, I never hated anybody more in my whole minor hockey career. But actually, it's funny because it was the under-17 experience um, that brought us together was like the time we got cut together. We drove up there together and everything. And uh, it was actually the under 16s the year before I quit. I didn't even go. I quit after the first ice session because of him and Garrett Hunt. Um, I pretended to be sick. That's how, that's where my mental health was at too at 16. Um, but yeah, like I wanted to shout out to Hengi too, because he's been um, one of the only ones that never gave up on me. Um, even if we never talked because I was off the grid or whatever, um, he was still, um, and I didn't even know this. He's told me, you know, he would call, um, my ex, um, and talk to her just to talk to her about my kids, not for her or anything, because 
he knows that I wasn't able to talk to my kids. And so he, you know, he does these things and it's just incredible. So shout out to him. I just love the guy, but Mark, uh, listening to Cooper talk, um, what was that experience like for you and Janet? Like when, how, you know, how did it come about? Uh, was it, was it him that came to you a doctor? Was it hangy? What was the, the situation? How old was he the very first time that it came to your attention? And how did you feel? Um, I know we've talked about it. Janet went on, on a terror, like a great mother she is, um, and wanted answers. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean we kind of, when he was little, when he was small, he always had some form of anxiety. Um, you know, always worry, worry about things that really we didn't have to worry about, you know, or a memory that comes to mind is where we were heading to, to Penticton for a weekend or some summertime, whatever it was. And then I mentioned to Janet that we're, geez, I should have filled up in Chilliwack and we're running a little low and, and fuel. And, and, you know, he was at an age where he was obviously talking, but, you know, and all of a sudden I hear him from the back, dad, hey, you got gas, dad, we got enough gas. We got enough gas. And I'm like, yeah, it's, we're fine. And, you know, and we were like Princeton's along the way, Caribbean. I mean, we, there's plenty of places yeah. to get fuel, but it was driving him crazy about every 30 seconds that are you sure we got enough gas dad? Are we going to get there? We're not going to get like, it was, it was constant. And then, you know, that was kind of one of the first ones that, you know, we thought, Holy moly, like, uh, what's going on here. And, and, you know, and then different things throughout his childhood that, you know, friends and, and, uh, you know, an alarm going off in the house with his grandparents and just, just things that really, he would go from zero to a hundred when it, it was real important to him, but it was really minute. Um, so, you know, Janet and obviously myself, but you know, I'm going to send this right to Janet. I mean, she, she did a lot of, uh, you know, digging and, and, uh, you know, when he became older and, and then all of a sudden he got involved in, in hockey and junior hockey. I think it was around a 16 year old year when things, cause he was always a great student. He never really had to even open a book. He was always a real good student. And, um, you know, things kind of slipped a little and then he wasn't going to school at times and he was starting to tell some lies and not the truth here and there. Just a lot of things became not normal for Cooper. And, uh, you know, Janet, again, I think I was in PG at that time. And, uh, you know, she really did her homework and, you know, wouldn't take no for an answer. There's not a huge mental health, uh, I guess, uh, help in, in Penticton uh, at that time. Maybe it's a little bit better now, but I think a, a psychologist or psychiatrist only came to town once a month, maybe. And so it wasn't enough. And, and she kept... Uh, you know, nose to the grindstone and, and got him help he needed and got him medication. And, you know, and it's been Brady, a hundred percent honesty. Like he's 24 years old and it's always uh, something that Janet and I are, are not a hundred percent concerned about, but we, something we always pay attention to with him and our daughter. I mean, it's, it's something that I know, and you know, Cooper's talking about his medication and we know, we know when he's not on it and he's living away from home now. And I, we know, we know when he's slipping and we know when he thinks he's feeling good and you just have that, that feeling, but you know, maybe I'm going off on a tangent here, but it, you know, when he phoned us in the morning, I remember getting that phone call 
when Coop says about four o'clock in the morning uh, that he was coming home and it didn't matter to us. Didn't matter to me if he played hockey, tiddlywinks, chess, didn't play anything as, you know, we just want uh, the safety for, for our kid. And, you know, we just want to make sure he's safe. And he came home and looked like death, uh, death's door. You know, he wasn't healthy and, um, you know, and we, to me, that was the real eye opener from my end because at that time that was his first year they were living in PG. So, um, you know, we sunk our teeth in and like I said, Janet really, uh, you know, he got into counseling and, and then from there, it's just, uh, you know, where he is today. And, you know, he's, he, he was in university. He was, you know, he, but he, I remember him telling me, I can't sit in the classroom. I just cannot do it. The anxiety just gets to him and he loves being outside, loves working outdoors. And, you know, he's got that job now that he's, you know, outdoor working, working real hard, working outside and, you know, in the, for, uh, for lead core and what have you, but uh, he's doing great. He's doing well. And, uh, you know, we're happy to see that, but you know, mental health is something for him, especially is, is something that's ongoing all the time and you've always got to pay attention to it. Yeah, and uh, before you jump in, Coop, I just want to say yeah. too, from my my own my own personal experience. So, uh, obviously, I've dealt with addiction on a, on a serious level, but with addiction comes mental health. So, I've been to the psych ward men, many of times. I'm not ashamed to say that it was just my mental health. I, you know, I was in the mental. I was actually in the psych ward for I think. Uh, the better part of five months at one part went bounced around from every hospital in the lower mainland and um, you know got treated better by the nurses once they found out that I used to play pro hockey I'll be honest um, but up until then I was treated like uh, you know like uh, like I didn't even matter I'll be honest it was horrible and trying to get help for my mental health was impossible almost next to impossible and let me tell you why so even when you can get the help, Mark, like, so you mentioned, and, and like, let's say, and I would like to say, I'm not, I don't want to point out and blame Penticton, but it's, it's everywhere. It's not just Penticton or Kelowna or Port Coquitlam or Utterson or Bracebridge or any of these places. It's freaking everywhere. Okay. Trying Absolutely. to get any sort of help, trying to get any sort of help is trying. It's like sometimes trying to get in like a square into like a, freaking circle peg that's you know what i mean like it just it is so difficult and then when you finally do get the help after waiting for months and months and months if you have if you don't have the money to pay out of pocket okay after waiting for months and months now you're going to get to see a psychiatrist or a, a psychologist okay so now you see them great you see them for like half an hour maybe an hour let's say okay now they're gone now now okay now you got to wait another month so guess what? Now the next month comes around. So you sign up, you want to go get the help or th every three weeks or whatever it is. Well, now it's a different freaking counselor because it's done a volunteer based program. So how the hell are you supposed to base any sort of relationship and trusting relationship and get anything accomplished and base any sort of program on that? It is just all smoke in mirrors. In my opinion, it is absolutely crazy. And I like, I just don't know what yeah. the answer is. I don't well, have all the answers. I mean, Brady, like when, like, uh, it wasn't, you know, necessarily easy for us to find, um, support like, and, and even like, like, I'll just like say like my mom was probably the most annoying person to interior health in the history of the world because she just wanted me to get helps like so badly. And, um, 
you know, the, the one thing with it is that <clears throat> I found anyways, when, you know, receiving this help and, 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 you know, it's, it, you, like I said, it's the same thing. Like, like I said before, you have to take it seriously because I dicked around with that one counselor for, I don't know, like six months. I, like, you know what I mean? Just told them lies and never let my mom sit in on a session. And, and, and this is when I was young, I think I was 17 and, um, you know, it didn't help me. And, and once, once I got to Prince George, like what uh, my dad said, we got up to Prince George and I started seeing a, a counselor pretty regularly. And he, he really, you know, him and I really clicked and I was able to, I thought he was able to help me quite a bit. And, um, you know, I, I, I felt a lot better after I didn't see the counselor for even that long, really, I started my medication and started taking that really seriously. And, went to school and, and did had an okay first semester and then just stopped. Like I said, stopped taking my medication and, and fizzled off. Like I'm, I like, it sucks to say, but I'm like not a good person when I'm not taking care of my mental health. Like that makes me a, you know, a bad, like a person I don't want to be an unmotivated person. And, and, and not to say that, you know, everyone with mental health issues are unmotivated, but it, it's, it, you really got to commit to helping yourself because you can still be, you know, an anxious person or a depressed person and still be really successful in, in whatever you're doing. Like it, there's no, like, it's just, it just comes down to just taking care of it and, and really like sticking to it. And um, like, I've slipped up multiple times with my meds and, and it's fun. Like sometimes there, some days are better than others, obviously, even when you're taking your meds, you just have to know and that, um, you know, there's lots of people like this that I think that was like one of the more, relieving things for me was finding out after I spoke about it and like I think there's only like 5,000 views on that video or something so it's not like a ton of people saw it but it's in Prince George I mean or in the hockey community you know a lot of people reached out to me after that and just kind of understanding that like holy shit like I, my inbox had, had I think had like 40 messages after that video dropped and got shared and I just couldn't believe it. Like, and, and these, like, not just messages from guys that played, you know, junior B with me, like guys from the Western league, guys on different teams in the Western league. My dad was coaching in PG at the time. Just my inbox was just full of dudes that uh, felt the same way as me and, and, and just have never talked about it. So th that's when I kind of started to, you know, put it together that like, there's lots of people like this and, and, and I can still be successful. So what can we do as a whole to you know contribute and listen there's so many different aspects to it, mm -hmm. but i truly believe that getting in um you know obviously what we're doing with the puck support foundation is yeah it's incredible i'm i'm telling i'm telling everybody and i don't have to tell you yeah. guys this especially you cooper but what we're going to do is incredible and we're already starting the work and um behind the scenes we've already helped a couple people and i've talked i've been talking to um, moms that had sons that have died from addiction that played junior hockey. And um, I have another kid that's played in the WHL that I'm trying to get to treatment right now. And um, yeah, I'm, you know what I mean? So the work's already started. Like it's, and, and where we're going from here is, is like we, what I feel we need to do is let people know that, you know, we're here and we need to figure Absolutely. out um, in, in what, you know, in what capacity, and, and I think it has to be in the, in the greatest capacity possible, which allows people to know and trust and feel comfortable knowing that, hey, guess what? I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's 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 professional hockey players there's junior hockey players there's uh, junior hockey coaches uh, pro hockey coaches um, there's everyday people um, that are suffering um, just like you and I uh, but the, guess Absolutely. what there's hope but guess what there's hope there is you said it yourself I'm, I'm living proof you're living proof um, there's millions of people that are dealing with this every day and doing a fantastic job but however there's just as many people um, that are still struggling and don't have the tools or the resources or the support or any of these things um, in place. So I feel we need to reach as many people as possible. I don't know what that looks like, getting into minor hockey associations and, and building a, a relationship with them and letting these kids know that, hey, here's a 1-800 number if you have something that's yeah. going on. And these, you know what I mean? If, if somebody needs somebody to you know, a guy that retires from hockey, pro hockey, whatever, needs somebody to talk to. Well, guess what? We have somebody in generally every area that can come take you for coffee or take you to a meeting or find you a counselor or get you to treatment or yeah. take you to play hockey or help you find a job or get you involved with the puck support. So now, you know, you have feel like you have purpose. Like these are the things. Um, and then by being these supports in place, you'll have guys like yourself and me being like, hey, Coop, did you take your meds today? Or how are you doing with your medication? Or, you know, just checking in. Or where's your head at? Or what's going on? And these are, you know, you start building these these networks, and that is what's going to make a difference. Mark, what do you think? Well, you said a big word there, resources. I mean, like we talked about Cooper and Penticton, the doctor came once a month, and then the 29 other days, I mean, he was hell on wheels. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was hard to, to keep a handle on him. And, and, you know, we, you can't have that. It ha there has to be somewhere for people to turn on a more frequent basis. Uh, I don't think the once a month works. I don't think limiting their counseling because of costs and what have you to whatever the, you know, maybe seven, maybe 10 over a one year period. I mean, I think if, if, you know, I, you look up how many doctors there are in, in a city of, of, of Vancouver or Penticton and you look the dentists and what have you. I mean, you can go to 35 different dentists, but you can't see a psychiatrist. I mean, I just think the resources aren't there. And I think that's where it has to be. I think what you guys are doing with puck support is, uh, you know, unbelievable to give some at least someone an opportunity to come forth and, and say, hey, what's going on? And, and, you know, this is what's happened or this is what I'm feeling. And, and just being able there to, to listen. And, but, you know, we, I, I just think you need more resources. I think there has to be somewhere for these kids to turn. I know like Janet, when, when a door got slammed in her face, she went to another one. And if she didn't like what she heard, she went to another one. And she just, she was like a, a dog on a bone and uh, go and tell Cooper got the help that he needed. And, and even then we maybe sometimes didn't think it was enough. So I, I think you just got to stay with it. It's it's much like anything. You gotta you gotta stay with it and stay on top of it. And if you don't like what you hear, knock on a different door because some someone's gonna help you along the way. Hey Coop, hey Coop, let me ask you this. Say you don't have um, the same sort of parents. Obviously, your, your mom and your dad. You don't have that same type of support. You don't have them yes. advocating uh, for that for your mental health uh, the way they did. Where are you at today? See, like, that's tough to say. Like, I, the thing is, is like, I, I like, obviously, I, it, my answer is I wouldn't be where I'm at. Like, you know what I mean? I definitely wouldn't be, you know, um, doing what I'm before doing you today. Had, before, you answer, before you answer, Coop, the reason why I'm asking um, is because not everybody has that, right? Yeah, no, so, and that's, that's, a, that's what I mean. So, like, I, I know lots of people, um, you know, that 
have dealt with mental health issues and their parents just aren't educated on. I, this is like a topic, actually, I'm glad you brought this up, Brady, because I think it's super important. And like, the thing is, is like a lot of people have, you know, parents that just aren't educated on the topic. Like they just don't know about it. You know what I mean? It's not what they read about. It's not what they see when they were, you know, younger. It was kind of seen as crazy or, or, or a black mark on a person's character. Um, and a lot of and a lot of parents don't want to believe their kid is suffering or it's happening to their kid. Not yeah, my kid, absolutely. not me. Or they you just know don't I mean? believe so. in it in general. Like I, I think it like for myself, like with my parents, like the help they they gave me. Like I don't even know if I would, you know what I mean? Like think that I'm crazy. Like because they just, you know, they just helped me understand why I was feeling that way. Like I thought I just that's just how I was supposed to feel. You know what I mean? Like. I just thought that's like, you were just supposed to feel shitty all the time. It wasn't until I like dealt with it and figured it out. And, you know, like my parents were there for me, like every step of the way, like they just made sure, um, you know, that I was making it to my appointments on time. Cause like with my ADHD or my anxiety, it's like, you're like all over the place. You know what I mean? So just stuff like that. And like, yeah, I mean, like if I didn't have that kind of, you know, push there from them, um, you know, to get better. Cause it's hard to get better when you're so deep, like in, into it, if you know what I mean, Brady, like when you're just like, you just, you're <laughs> so, me, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. You're just so deep into it. You just can't, you just feel like getting better is like going to take too much fucking work and you're just tired and you're just like done. And that's how I felt like at my lowest is just, I'm just like, fuck man, I just don't want to do this anymore. And there's been some like long nights, some scary nights. I know like, like when I left for Hunter from Hunter mile back to Prince George, like, I don't know, like Brady, like, honestly, like, and I've told my parents this before, but like, I don't know if I would have like made it the week. Like I honestly, and that's why I came home. Cause I was so freaking scared um, of myself. And I yeah. just needed, I was like, I need like me. It was like almost like a last ditch effort. Like, Hey, this is it. Like I got to go and do this and leave hockey and, figure my life out and I'm so glad I did it right but at, at the same so time I. I think like I just think like education is so important for everyone like even hockey coaches like my you know like I've had coaches that don't know like you know what I mean about mental health like they just don't know what to look for they don't know what the signs are like and, and that's you know not by you know their fault or anything it's just like it just isn't a topic that's very relevant or wasn't very relevant back then I think we've made some some headway but I just can't believe that, you know, there's coaches that coach teams that don't like even know the warning signs and, and they need to yeah. be educated. I agree 100%. So, and even back to, you know, say my last year of junior 07, 08, um, it's, a, it, I, I can tell you right now it's evolved since then. Uh, but are we where we need to be with all of it? Absolutely not even close. No. So, you know, people are more open to hearing about it, which is great. People are more open to um, the stigma around it isn't as, you know, high. However, um, people, uh, I'm telling you right now, people still, you know, ju are judging people. And, like, will you ever fix that? I'm not sure. But as long as, you know, we could just work on ourselves individually and, 
you know, and stick around with the people that care and, and people that are, you know, sharing the same message and the same, you know, almost goals in life. Like, obviously, we have our own individual goals, but what are what's our what's our main purpose here? Like, I'm into the I'm all into like service work. Like, that is to me when I'm at my happiest, absolutely is when I'm giving back in any sort of capacity. Even when I played hockey, I say my favorite things about playing hockey were like warm up and getting to do all the volunteer work that we got to do. And I know that I can go do any volunteer work anytime. I'm just saying we got to do a lot of cool stuff when you're playing hockey and the people look at you differently because you're a hockey player. And it just, it brings out, we get to bring out a lot of joy in people like kids or sick kids. And it was just such an incredible experience. So for me, um, that was, you know, really cool, but it's all about, it's gotta be all about service work. So that is, you know, how can we give back and how can, you know, we share our experiences and even, you know, Mark, Janet, your experiences um, as parents um, going through it because, you know, I spoke, uh, with uh, the mom of the kid, he's my kid. He's actually Coop. He's, I believe he's your age, so I guess he's a kid. But you know, I talked to his mom multiple times. She's just at a, she's at a loss. She doesn't know what to do. You know, her son played junior hockey, WHL, and he's been you know doing fentanyl and crack, and uh, he got bear maced the other night, almost stabbed, and he's taken off and smashing his mom's car. He's been to jail. He's doing all the same things that I did and he's just lost. Um, and if we don't get him the help or if he doesn't get himself the help, whatever way you want to look at it, um, he's not going to be around much longer. That's the reality of addiction and mental health is much the same because the longer you live with it, um, the worse it becomes. And, and, you know, Coop, you know, from experience, um, from having your own feelings and then obviously, um, the tragedies of your friends, like it just, it's unimaginable, but, um, before we go, you're like, I'm probably going to wrap this up in the next five minutes. Um, but, and, and again, we can do this again um, down the road as things progress. Uh, I would love to, you know, I keep this conversation going all the time. Um, but, you know, I really, you know, really pose the question to both you guys. I'm actually getting it. My phone's ringing right now on Sun Silent, but I see Spencer Myers calling me right now who's uh, it's his treatment center that we're trying to get this kid to. It's a, it's a friend of his, so he's probably got an update for me, but I'll call him after. Um, but this is, you know, this is the I'm, – I am so thankful, and Coop, I, I'm sure you could say it's the same, um, that I made it through to be able to share my story and to be able to, um, you know, oh, like yeah. you did. Like you came out openly, right? But long before, years ago, you said, oh, it only had 5,000 views. Well, guess what? 5,000? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of people that saw that video. And guess what? People are just going to continue to see the video as the years go on and, and, and continue to see what we're doing. And you're just going to affect even more people. So I don't even know if you realize um, what you did by coming out and doing that and, and just explaining to the world and being vulnerable. Because by being vulnerable, Cooper, you're showing people that it's okay. And that's not easy to do. So I commend you for that. Yeah, Brady. I mean, that video, like, like I said, it did a lot for me, like just coming out, like I, I made myself very vulnerable in that situation. Um, and just put it all out there. And, and it's on the internet, like you can Google, if you Google my name, it's probably going to come up. So that's like one of those things that's like going to be there forever. It's like, 
not going anywhere. So it's out there. I, I, I'm open about it. And um, I encourage other people to open up about it to whoever they feel comfortable doing that with, whether it be like a friend or family member, or, you know, whoever, just, just open up about it and talk about it. It's, it's really okay to just sit down with your friend and, and, and talk about your mental health. It really is. It should become a, a way more normal conversation than it is. And I think with the Puck Support Foundation and, and just other, other things, we're going we're gonna to make that more of a, a normal thing. Uh, uh, yeah. I want to Go ahead, Mark. Sorry, Brady. Uh, Not at know, all. With, with Coop talking, you know, he, it's okay to talk about it. I think uh, that's obviously very important. I think the other more important thing is, is not more important, but as important is that people listen. I think uh, if someone's keep an eye out for change in behavior, keep an eye out for, you know, cryptic texts, posts, what have you, things like that. Or if someone does make a phone call to you or, uh, and says something that maybe you're not too sure of that I think you need to act on it. I think that, uh, um, you know, like much like Hangy did with Coop, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, where, where he'd be if that doesn't happen. Right. So you, you got to pay attention. You got to listen. Uh, yeah. Well said coach. Well said. Um, I, uh, you know, I really have high hopes for, for both of us coop individually with our mental health problems and maintaining it and, and just, you know, learning how to live with it. And, and we have each other, we have the puck support and our families and, and we just have, a bright future and because we're able to talk about it uh we're ahead of the curve and the fact that you can you know um that you know you have to you know stay on top of your medication and you're you're vigilant right you got to stay vigilant uh, aware of your surroundings aware of what's going on how are things affecting you how are how are you feeling when you wake up in the morning are you taking time to actually like take a breath and and let you know let yourself relax instead of just rushing out of bed because i'm telling you what somebody told me this before like even when you're late um if you just take a minute or two or five if you can in the morning even if you're late okay i swear to god if you just take that five minutes for yourself things will go smoother and you'll actually get to where you're going usually sooner. You know, when you're rushing, you stub your toe or you drop something or you forget something and you're running back. But if you just relax and you can start your day um, that way, it is extremely powerful and just being conscious of what's going on. And, you know, it, it goes, it goes a long way. So um, I'm going to wrap things up, but listen, I want to say thanks to both you guys. And, and um, if there's anything, either one of you guys want to say, um please feel free well, i just appreciate you having us on uh, brady i think the platform you have is tremendous and i think the work you're doing is outstanding um and now you know i'm learning a lot more about uh coop and janet involved with pucks work and, and uh, hangy and, and what have you so if there's anything you need from my end please don't hesitate to ask and um but again i just appreciate you having us on and and allowing coop to kind of tell his story and you know if I added anything uh, that would help great but if not uh, I just wanted to say thanks for having us on Coop yeah Brady just uh thanks for having me on the podcast I've been like I said long time listener so uh really happy for you and and, and uh happy for you with the uh the Puck Sport Foundation and just uh, really excited to continue our our friendship and uh and our work for uh mental health and mental health in hockey specifically. So thanks a lot, Brady, for having us. Well, 
Well, no, I appreciate that from, from both you guys. And, and two, one more time, I'll give a shout out to Janet. And um, Mark, thank you for, for letting me almost like, you know, borrowing your wife's ear a little bit as she's almost like a second or third mom to me. I have my mom, Taylor's mom, and now I have Janet too. So, um, you know, I've really appreciated her, um, you know, her advice and, and her support through it all because um, next to Hangy, um, in this past week, I probably talked to her the most uh, out of anyone. And, you know, I, her and Hangy and I've talked a lot about it and we really, really uh, respect her opinion um, and, and her voice in the foundation because obviously she's a female for one. And in my opinion, you need a strong female voice if you're going to succeed because people say every behind every you know good man is a stronger woman and it's true right so uh that is me and like my opinion on it but um she also brings like a whole nother level of experience because one she's the wife of a hockey coach that and a hockey player that you know has seen it all heard it all <laughs> done it all, and then dealing with it from the kid you know having a kid play hockey going through that dealing with them like it just it's non-stop and then she's had her own little um journey and and fighting the the cause for her son and so her passion has just been great so janet i i just want to say thank you so much because i know you work and you do everything and um you're really taking uh you know this thing seriously and i truly truly appreciate it. and i know mike hangan does and i know that there's gonna be a lot of people um down the road that will too so thank you to janet um thank you mark thank you coop guys i really uh, look forward to the day that we can all uh sit around and uh talk shop hockey talk whatever talk how we're going to change the world or how we've changed the world um whatever all of the above buddies so i'm looking forward to it well brady thanks again I, it's funny janet just walked in the room while you were saying that so she she heard everything you said and um you know, she's nodding and uh, her appreciation for sure. So, uh, and, and again, just to, to Coop, real proud of, of him being involved with you and how proud we are as parents that he's pulled his way through this and, uh, you know, moving forward how, you know, any, like I said, anything that we can do to help, whether it be Coop, Janet, myself, us together as a family, uh, please don't hesitate to ask. Oh, yeah, I appreciate lot, that. Yeah, I appreciate that too. And I know your guys' uh, daughter, we're going to utilize her as well too. So, um, you know, and Coop's girlfriend, Kendra too, I gave her the green light the other night. I was like, don't even be nervous. Let's just do this. Let's get this done. Let's help some people. So I'm really looking forward to it, guys. Uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks. Thanks for it. Well, guys, that's episode 28 of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. I really want to thank Mark Hollick and Cooper Hollick. Cooper, bud, thanks for being so fearless. Uh, even long before you met me, pal, I said it on the podcast. But listen, man, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you. And I really look forward to building a relationship with uh, the entire Hollick family. So thank you to all of you guys. And uh, once again, a shout out uh, to Janet, uh, the mother hen at the Puck Support Foundation. Guys, uh, make sure, please, to subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, share it with your family and friends if you liked it. If you didn't, don't share it. I, I always say, if you didn't like it, then don't share it. But if you did, then I, you know, I hope you did. Then please share it, subscribe. Um, you know, we're trying to send the message, uh, you know, that there's hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how dark the road might get there is always light if you look for it and that's what we are here 
to do as the Puck Support Foundation. That's what I'm here to do personally uh, with the Puck Support Foundation and also outside of the Puck Support Foundation in my everyday life. Uh, you know, I really challenge myself uh, to try to do something out of my comfort zone every day, and I don't get it done every day. Um, but guys, you know, like, not only that, but just doing kind kind gestures for people that you, you don't know and that, you know, uh, gestures that go um, go without, you know, you being you know, almost congratulated for or getting, um, you know, credit for, like, you know, anonymous gestures. Um, just doing it not for the credit, um, just to spread love in the world. And I think that's so, so, so important. So again, I challenge everybody else to keep doing that. If you're doing it, if you're not, uh, do it. Give it a try. You might be surprised at how great it makes you feel. And you'd be surprised at how great it could make somebody else feel. Once again, too, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, all the stepdads, to all the guys that have stepped up to help raise kids that are not their own. Thank you very much. I also want to take this time to thank all of the people who have had a hand in raising my kids, Brooklyn, Brody, and also my other son who I have not named, um, just due out of respect to him and his mother. Um, but thank you to everyone, including their new boyfriends, uh, also family members that have stepped up and been there when I wasn't able to. Uh, and ultimately when I chose not to be when I was 19 with the ones. So, um, guys, I live with these choices every single day of my life, and I am putting one foot in front of the other. It's not always easy. I dream of the day when, you know, all of my kids are together, and that includes Brooklyn Brody, my other son, um, Hadley Lincoln, and, of course, the one on the way. So that leads me into the next thing. We're actually going to be doing a reveal tomorrow. So by the time... The next podcast is released. I'll actually know what I'm having. Taylor and I will both know, and I'm really excited. We ordered some pucks that were supposed to explode when I took a slap shot, but they're stuck in Florida. So I'm actually going to take a shot uh, with a puck at a balloon. And if I hit the balloon, if I hit the balloon, it will pop and explode, either blue or pink, and we'll know what we're having. might take me a couple shots, but you would think an ex-pro hockey player should be able to uh, hit a balloon even after all these years. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. So it's Taylor. Uh, her mom, Bev, is the only one that knows what we're having, and she's known for about 10 days, so it's eating at us for sure. Uh, but honestly, guys, thank you so much to everybody that's listening. Uh, it really, really means the world to me. Um, I just want to say, ultimately, happy Father's Day once again to my dad, Brian. Thank you, Dad, so much for everything you continue to do and have done for me. Um, I'm really working hard to just make you proud and to, uh, you know, get my shit together, not just for myself and my kids, but um, for your peace of mind, too, because I know it was not easy. Um, Some of the nights not knowing where I was and what I was doing, whether I was going to make it through the night or whatever the case may be, seeing me in the psych ward, seeing me in jail, seeing me in rehab, Uh, All these things after seeing me on the ice uh, on my way to living my dream in the NHL. It was just derailed um, and it's extremely unfortunate, but hey, guess what? I made it through. We made it through. And now, not only I, but Dad, you too can share the story. And as hard as it may be, there is value in it. There's a lot of value in it. And our story is a lot more common than I even care to 
even want to believe, but we have to because otherwise, how are we ever going to make change? And that is my biggest goal right now through the Pug Support Foundation and all of it is just connecting people, getting the people the resources and the help that they need uh, because really it's not available, not readily available. And I really feel that as hockey players, if we can help other hockey players with specific treatments, um, the success rate is going to be so much greater. And I could tell you that from experience. So, guys, that's it for me today. I'm really looking forward to the rest of the summer. I've been fishing a lot, caught my first bass. I've caught like 10 bass in the last few days. Bass season is not open yet. I'm releasing them all, so I'll let you guys know. Um, but uh, it opens this coming weekend, and you better believe I'll be frying me up some bass. So, uh, guys, just want to say once again, thank you so much for listening. And uh, just remember, please follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe. And also, guys, HockeyToHeroin.com. Every Sunday, team-issued giveaways. And guess what? Beginning of this episode, the package was not here. But the next day, guess what? It arrived, and we did the giveaway tonight. And congratulations to Donna Reed, a close family friend. Uh, congratulations to her. We just love Donna. Um, she did talk about her a lot and I actually haven't told her this but I hope to get her on the podcast even just for a small segment one of these days very soon so Donna we love you um, and congratulations you won a pair of socks I gave you a pair of socks earlier in the day actually as a gift and your son snagged them up on you so now there you go um, now you have your own pair um, and also um, Bonnie Lem was the big winner with the team issued snapback hat tonight so congratulations to them if you guys want to win HockeyToHeroin.com. It's the only place you can sign up. It's the only place you can win free team-issued gear. And remember, team-issued is connecting all walks of life. Team-issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community of all, for all, striving towards the same goal. I almost got it. I mean, geez, I don't know why I screwed up. But listen, their clothing is top-notch. Use promo code TOEDRAG15, teamissued.ca. Toe drag 15 to get 15% off your total purchase. And guys, if you're struggling, I always say it, please reach out. You can reach out to me. If you're not comfortable reaching out to me, please reach out to somebody else. And please follow me on Instagram. That is where I'm going to be doing a lot of new uh, live videos, trying to do motivational videos, inspirational videos, just so that you guys know what's going on. Uh, also, I'm going to try to have some guests take over my account hop on there and give little speeches in the morning so be sure to follow me on instagram at hockey to heroin and twitter of course um, but other than that guys um, if you're not having a good day ask yourself why you make the choice it's your choice basically everything you have so many choices to make you just keep making that right choice when you wake up tomorrow whenever after you hear this wake up with the mindset that hey you know what i'm gonna have a great day today no matter what happens just say okay good good doesn't matter what just say good because something good can come no matter what the situation and it's all about choices and it's your choice it's your choice on how you want to feel about everything so i always say remember have a great day if you so choose